Welcome to the College Financial Aid and Career Navigation Podcast. Tom and Maria Geffers of Career and College Counselors, along with nationally recognized college financial aid expert Seth Green, teach two things. How to cut the cost of college tuition an average of $19,077 per child per year and how to land your dream job after you graduate by choosing the right career and major. To get access to more information on how you can make the right choice, simply register at www.careercollegecounselors.com connect. To find out how to save an average of $19,077 per year per child on college tuition, go to www.howtofindmoneyforcollege.com. On the podcast, Tom, Maria, and Seth bring together leading experts in their fields who have experience in the college admission and career application process. They share their secrets so you can do it too. And now, here's your hosts, Tom, Maria, and Seth. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another podcast. I'm Maria Geffers. And I'm Tom Geffers. And we're from college, I'm sorry, we're from Career and College Counselors. And our goal for these podcasts are to bring you experts and leading authorities on careers, on college, and also on financial aid. And this week, we are uh, privileged to have Mr. Michael Chen. He is the Assistant Dean of Admissions in Western State College of Law. So welcome, Michael. I'm so excited that you're here to tell us everything we need to know about law. Thank you very much, Maria. I'm very excited to be here uh, to talk about legal careers, law school, and anything, uh, any path we go down. Great. We always have an essential question that kind of guides our whole entire process. And this week, our essential question is, what should I know before pursuing a law degree? So that's what we're kind of our overarching question. And we always like to know a little bit more about our guests. So if you could uh, tell us the who, the what, the when, and the where about Michael Chen and his journey, and also the aha moment when you knew this is where you wanted to go. Sure, there's a lot to unpack there, but really my career journey starts in college. And I know um, you, Maria, and Tom both work with young people, um, all people actually thinking about going to college, what majors to pick, what careers to pursue. And I was thinking about all of those questions when I was in college. It seems like a long time ago. Um, I don't want to date myself probably uh, <laughs> 22 plus years ago. I just had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I was a freshman in college and we had to declare majors. And that can be a stressful moment for people who don't know exactly what they want to do. And so my strategy was to try and explore a lot of different things. And one of the things that um, I came across was this interesting opportunity. I was, I remember I was sitting in the dining hall, I was eating breakfast, I was reading the campus newspaper, and there was a classified ad in there that said, are you interested in competing in mock trials? Come down for an information session. I had no idea what a mock trial was, but I like <laughs> to compete in different things, right? I don't know, maybe it's like debate. So I went down there and I found out that I really liked it a lot. And what mock trials are, um, it's an opportunity for people in college to compete against other college students all around the country. You get to travel in these courtroom trials. And what I liked about it was that I found out that trial lawyers are essentially storytellers. And I like that. And not only that, but you were fighting for your client, you're fighting for justice. And I thought, maybe this is a good career for me. I, I, I like arguing. I like being in court <laughs> telling stories. So I 
I remember my sophomore year, I went to um, the career planning office because I thought I should explore this more. Maybe there's a career counselor. Maybe there's a career test. I don't know. But when I walked down there, it just so happened they were putting together something called an alumni shadowing program. And I signed up for it. And they matched me up with graduates of the school um, who uh, you could just follow them around all day. And I was assigned a couple of judges in the state of Massachusetts. And it was great fun. I, I got to see them uh, put on their robes because sometimes they would wear bath robes. You, they wear all kinds of things underneath those judges' <laughs> robes. And then you go out into court. And I was fascinated with all these arguments that the lawyers were, were making and how they were fighting for their clients. I got to watch a criminal trial. I thought, this is really for me. Um, and then I went back to the career planning office. I got, uh, they hooked me up with jobs, uh, with law firms, things like that. So I had a pretty good idea of what I was going to do after I graduated college. I was going to apply for law schools. And eventually I went to the largest law school. Uh, well, one of the largest law schools in the United States and went to New York City. And I had great fun there. And when I graduated, I ended up in uh, real estate law, transactional law. What most people don't realize is um, a lot of people have a good idea of why they want to go to law school. Maybe they want to be a criminal attorney or environmental law attorney. But the, by the time they graduate, they usually change their minds because they're exposed to so many opportunities. Well, that happened to me. And I landed in primarily real estate law. And I was in and out of commercial real estate for about 11 years in New York and California. And then something called the real estate market crash happened. Yeah. And at first, uh, because I was in commercial real estate, which is like shopping malls and warehouses, it, it didn't really affect me that much because it was a housing market crash. But in reality, for people who were here in 2008 to 2012, you know, it, was, it wasn't just a housing market crash. It was a, an economic collapse. It was a financial crisis. And so um, commercial real estate was affected, at least in Los Angeles, where I was. And so I was looking for something else to do. And keep in mind, during this whole time, I had been working with college students, high school students, law school students, because I was still involved with my college and law school alumni association. Just like when I was in college and in law school, I connected with alums. I was helping students as an alum. And so people would call me and say, what's it like to be an attorney? Or what's it like? How do I get a job in, in real estate law? Or I had people come to my office, shadow me around. I even helped my college admissions office um, interview students for to be admitted. And so when one of my colleagues came to me, he said, you're looking for something to do, right? I said, yeah, I'm looking for new opportunities. He said, you, you like working with students, right? I said, yeah, I, I, I like working with students. And he said, look, you know a lot about the law. I said, yeah. And he said, there's a small law school just east of Los Angeles looking for a career counselor. Maybe you should check it out. So I went there and I had great fun because essentially my job was helping students discover their passion, their purpose, their life's mission, their calling. And eventually I became the director. I was the, the head of the whole career services office. So my job was to help students find jobs. And that expanded even more to help people outside of the school, pre-law students um, and admissions work. And so I've been working on both coasts of the United States for the last seven to eight years in admissions. And it's really wonderful what I get to do because what I do is I help the law school uncover and highlight its strengths and advantages. And I spread the word all around the world to hopefully inspire law school students who might be a right fit for our law school. And this is the neat part. When I get to connect with these future lawyers, I get to help them get guided into the legal profession. 
And they in turn will be able to help untold numbers of clients when they graduate. So directly or indirectly, I'm touching the lives of thousands, maybe millions of people. And it's a really great feeling. I love it. Great yeah, story, yeah. Michael. Great story. You know, we, we give a, a career assessment before we work with uh, our students. <clears throat> and a lot of times uh, law shows up very strongly in their, in their uh, career uh, path. And, uh, you know, they say we're going to do pre-law and, you know, people throw that term around a lot. What exactly is pre-law and do you actually need a certain major to get into law school? Great question. Um, a lot of people think that people need to go into quote unquote pre-law majors or pre-law tracks because to be, go to medical school, you have to be pre-med. That's right. not the case with law school. That's actually um, a common misconception. And people think, oh, I need to major in history or political science because, or criminology because that's what all these other pre-law students are doing. That's not true. You actually can major in any major that you want in college because there's no prerequisite major to go to law school. The minimum requirements to go to an accredited law school are number one, to have a bachelor's degree in any area. So bachelor's degree in any major. And secondly, to have an LSAT score. LSAT is the LSAT, stands for Law School Admissions Test. It's a standardized test, sort of like the SAT or ACT. And those so are, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm just kind of building on yours. I know before we went on, you were saying your actual uh, major was English literature. And right. so you were able to make that transition. So uh, our students and parents should not be nervous about the major and not worrying that they're going to be at a disadvantage when they go to uh, law school that, you know, you made the transition beautifully. And, you know, I just want to make that clear that you followed a different path until you went back into the law, the legal field. That, that's right. A lot of people um, will tell me, they say, well, I didn't major in English. Don't lawyers need to write a lot or read a lot? Isn't that an essential skill? Here's the thing. The law touches every area of, of, of our lives, right? And so no matter what major you have, you can make an impact and you can relate to an area of law. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, some uh, typical, lots of times people will come up to me and say, hey, I'm a math major or I'm a chemical engineer or I'm a biology major. Can I still go to law school? It, can that even relate to the law? Sure, there's an area of law called intellectual property where you deal with patents and you need to have a science background, right? And actually STEM majors, science, technology, engineering, math, they do extremely well in law school because people think that the law is just this wishy-washy arguing type of thing. No, the law is very logical. Otherwise, everything would be chaos. And so when you write legal arguments, it's just like writing a science lab report. So STEM majors do great. But I've seen pe people, uh, for example, have come to us with drama majors or dance majors or um, <laughs> history majors, any sort of major you can think of. They, they, you can come to law school and be successful with. Good. Is it possible uh, to go to law school part-time and, and uh, get out in a reasonable amount of time? Absolutely. Um, and not every law school offers this. Um, here at Western State, we do offer this uh, part-time program, both the part-time day and part-time evening program. You kind of have to seek those out, but um, it's certainly not every law school offers it, but it's not rare. And part-time programs are great for people who have work obligations or family obligations. And you can graduate in four years versus the three years, which is how long it would take if you went full-time. So it's definitely an option. All right. 
Uh, is there financial aid available for law school and scholarships and fellowships? Can you speak about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, I can talk about this all day. So you just stop me when, whenever you had any questions. A little bit. Uh, most people, this is a big question, right? Can I want to become a lawyer? Can How do I pull it off financially? I have an idea of how to do it for college, but how do we do it for law school? I try to make this simple to understand by breaking this down into two categories. There's free money, and then there's money you have to pay back. And free money is better than money you have to pay back. Right. So let's talk about free money first. Free money comes in the form of scholarships and grants, but here's where it's different from college. If you go to college, there's these things called Pell Grants. Here in California, we have something called Cal Grants, um, uh, where they're need-based grant from the government. Th these things don't exist in law school because the federal government, at least in the United States, says that if you need money um, and you don't have enough money to go to college, we're going to give it to you. But not everybody who just needs money can go to law school, medical school, professional school. So that doesn't really exist. The free money that exists in law school is pre pretty much in the form of scholarships. Okay, and there's um, several forms of scholarships. There is um, need-based scholarships, but very few law schools offer need-based scholarships. Some law schools only offer need-based scholarships. The majority of law schools in the United States and Canada, in North America, um, offer scholarships uh, in the form of merit scholarships. And merit scholarships are awarded to people who have academic merit, meaning um, the law school is going to take a look at how well you did in college. What's your cumulative GPA? What's your trend in grades? Did you take intellectually stimulating courses? What was your, they kind of look at your major, um, not to sort of say your major isn't good enough, but they understand that something like, um, you know, in engineering is, is more difficult than say, um, I'll just pick on my own major, English or English <laughs> literature major. Um, and so they'll also look at your LSAT score. Now, remember I mentioned the LSAT exam before. And the LSAT, I won't go deeply into this, but it really helps predict your potential for academic success. They look at all of these factors and then they will or, uh, award you scholarship dollars based on your academic merit. Um, and it can go up to close to full tuition uh, for many schools. And after that's for the, remember there's three years of full-time law school or four years for part-time. After the first year, it depends on the law school at our school, for example, it depends on how well you did in school. If you had a high GPA in law school, you could get a full ride, right? Mm -hmm. So um, there are definitely opportunities to pay for law school using free money. Now, let's just say you don't get all the free money you want or need. Then we go into money you have to pay back. And that's in the form of loans. This can get a little boring, so I'll just cover the basics. Just like with college, you fill out a FAFSA. The FAFSA stands for Free Application for Federal Student Aid, I think it is. That's it. Um, and it, it's very similar to the one you would fill out for college, right? And you fill it out every year. And in law school, here's the difference, though. A lot of times people think, I don't, I don't, I didn't qualify for financial aid, really, for college. So I'm worried. Can I qualify for federal loans in law school? The answer is typically yes, because um, when you, unlike when you apply for the FAFSA when you're an undergrad, when you apply to law school, you're considered financially independent from your parents. So you don't list your parents' stuff on your FAFSA. And the second thing is the loan programs for, uh, at least for law school, are not really need-based. And so it's, that's kind of nice. There's mm -hmm. two loan programs, one called Stafford Loan, where you get 20500 The other is called Graduate Plus Loan, based on your credit, um, and you can get loans. 
Um, and there's other scholarship opportunities out there as well from um, lawyers associations, things like that, military benefits we can go deeper into. But most students are financing their education through those federal loan programs and, uh, and merit scholarships. Well, that certainly makes it a lot less scary when right. you talk about it. And uh, are the most uh, law schools help students uh, placement when they graduate, or is that kind of rare? Most law school students, well, every ABA accredited law schools, because there's unaccredited law schools, there's accredited law schools. Um, I recommend people go to an accredited law school right. just because there's standards applied there. Um, every ABA, ABA stands for American Bar Association Accredited Law School, which is the highest accreditation you can get, will require um, a career planning office or career services, or here we call it career development. And they help students in so many ways with um, resume reviews, mock interviews, et cetera. Um, and they do assist students with finding what we call externships. They're like internships mm -hmm. and, and, and jobs. Okay. Um, you know, you've, you've mentioned a few different areas of law. Is there one in particular that is going to be, uh, like you foresee in the future will be the outstanding? I mean, we all know law and judge, you know, was it the law and order, law and order <laughs> right? You know, the ones that the lawyers that are out there, you know, uh, trying cases, but as you said, there's so many others. Um, could you briefly touch on those and one particular uh, feel that you think will be uh, really uh, popular in the next five to ten years? Sure, I can talk about uh, legal career paths, uh, being that I was a career counselor in a law school for a while. <laughs> um, look, there's hundreds and hundreds of, of specialties from tax law to environmental law um, and even specialty uh, areas that pop up like fashion law and space law. Hmm. And there's so many different environments. You work in a in a corporation, in in a law firm, nonprofit, government agency, and it can be bewildering for most people. But in reality, I like to simplify things. There's only two areas of law. The first is called litigation. The second is called transactional practice. If anybody's sort of watched uh, a few good men with Tom Cruise, there's a line in there that says there's trial law and there's paper law, and that's pretty <laughs> much it. You either go to court or you fight, you advocate for your clients, and there's an opposing side, you, there's, there's a winner and a loser, or you're doing transactional law. Transactional law is like drafting contracts, drafting wills, doing immigration documents, et cetera. You're deal-making, bringing people together. Those are the two broad categories of law. Now, in terms of popularity, I've been in and around legal education for 20-some years, and the popular areas have stayed the same. Just like you mentioned law and order, criminal law is huge. Business law is huge. Those are the two top areas of law most students are interested in. People are usually also interested in family law, real estate law, and immigration law. And it just so happens that Western State, because those areas are popular, we offer specialty certificates. We can talk about that further if you want, but those are tend to be popular for students. In terms of looking into the future, I get this question so, so many times because people want to make smart investments in their future, right? right? First thing that people should understand, law school is not like college. In college, you declare a major and you specialize. In law school, or even in, in medical school, you eventually, you can specialize. Not so in law school. In law school, you get a broad-based legal education. When you graduate and you get that JD degree, JD stands for Juris Doctor, and you get that law license, you can practice in pretty much any area of law. In fact, I know attorneys mid-career, 10, 15 years into their career, will change radically from corporate law to real estate law, for example, or litigation to mergers and acquisitions. 
with that degree, if you find that there's another area you're interested in, or that may be the hot area in the future that you can't anticipate, just keep in mind that you can do that. Look, I can sit here and I can I can make predictions. I can say, look, as we come out of the pandemic, the economy is going to get roaring. Business law is going to be huge. I can say after the pandemic, across the country, eviction moratoriums are going to cease. You're going to have a lot of evictions. Housing law is going to be big. I can say um, the president's going to do an immigration overhaul. Immigration law is going to be big. These are just guesses, right? I can't predict the future. If I could, I'd be at one of the local casinos out here <laughs> in California. <laughs> we can't predict the future but we can plan for the future. Mm -hmm. And when students are planning for the future, what I always advise them to do is to think about what they, what caused them to go to law school in the first place? What are they passionate about? Because at the end of the day, the law is an evergreen, I consider it an evergreen profession or career. Mm -hmm. Because when people start asking about what's the, what's the most in-demand area of law in the future, people are worried about stability, about what, what area can I financially be secure, right? Here's the thing with the law. Like I said before, it touches every area. People are always going to be arrested and go to jail. You're going to need criminal law, law attorneys. People always have to pay, pay taxes. You need tax attorneys. People are always going to die. You're going to need lawyers to draft wills, right? These are basic daily functions. There's always going to be a need for lawyers. And right now, the, the, if I was going to predict or try to go on a trend, I would say that as we move forward into the future, baby boomers are going to be retiring there's going to be a, a massive need for new lawyers to replace them, to help the public, to engage in intellectually stimulating careers, to um, to help serve the public. So that would be my answer. I, I wanted to uh, touch on something that I always thought about is if you uh, went to law school, you graduated, you did not take the, uh, the exam to, to, to get licensed. Can you still go to a corporation and say, I graduated law school and that can be a big benefit to your corporation? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't touch on this before um, when I talked about possible career solutions. To answer your question, first of all, let's say you graduate law school and you do not pass what we call passing the bar exam. Uh, the bar exam is what allows you to get your law license in each state. If you don't pass the bar exam, you cannot practice law. However, if you graduate with that JD degree and you choose not to practice law or you want to work in a corporation, but not as an attorney, you can't, there are ways to do it. For, for example, I'll give you a few examples in a moment, but first let me categorize this. The, there's a whole area of careers and jobs where having a JD degree is either required or gives you a significant advantage over people who don't have it. We call these JD advantage careers. And so if you don't wanna become a lawyer and you wanna go into these careers instead, you can. Here's some examples. Something that's been really hot over the last 10 years, it's a new area, is called compliance. And they've, uh, it, maybe it's, it's maturing a little bit now, but I remember 10 years ago, it was new because nobody had a background in, in compliance. They didn't know what it was. Compliance is, it sounds fancy, really what it is, it, it is, it makes sure that corporations or any organization, even um, like a major league uh, baseball team or insurance company or a nonprofit, that they follow certain regulations. That's what lawyers are good at, making sure people follow the rules, right? So there's all kinds of compliance. There's, for example, uh, medical healthcare compliance, where you might work for um, a hospital to make sure they're respecting patient privacy rights. There's insurance compliance. There's um, banking compliance. Um, there's all kinds of regulatory compliance careers. So that was pretty hot for a while. 
Um, there's contract management jobs. So a contract manager, um, you might work for a corporation or more likely for the government, and you don't need to get the law license, but you have graduated from the law. And it will say in the job description, JD degree required, right? And so a contract manager, let's say you're working for the Air Force, you help the Air Force buy everything from airplanes and weapons to paper clips, and you help manage those contracts. There's other careers, uh, for example, uh, being a mediator, helping people resolve disputes outside of court, or um, something that's popular among law students who don't necessarily want to be an attorney or lawyer is to become an FBI special agent. Mm -hmm. um, because the FBI in, in the United States, they have these special career tracks where if, you're a, if you have a law degree, they, there's a special track to become a special agent. And, um, or they have other tracks if you're a CPA, for example. Um, so there's a lot of things that you can do um, with a JD degree. That's uh, great information for us to right, know because, right. as, I, as I said, we get a lot of students who show high in the in law mm -hmm. career, and it might scare them away that they don't want to be in, in, a, in a courtroom or whatever. So there's so many other uh, avenues that they can uh, travel. Great information. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm really, um, I learned a lot today, Michael. <laughs> and, I, you know, as Tom said, we have a lot of students who do take the career and uh, really uh, excel in legal. And we always knew about the, um, the government tract, but, you know, all the other little things you forget about. So the parents who students are interested in law should not be worried. They will always be work out there. There'll always be an opportunity for them to uh, be satisfied. And as big as there, the law is, there's a place for everybody and every type of person. And I think that is something that you really told mm -hmm. us today. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us before we start uh, closing up? Um, let me think. <laughs> well, um, I, uh, let me think. Um, I don't think that I think we touched on a lot of different topics, but if I did want to leave someone with a thought, I would say this. I would say that um, I, people should, I want to encourage people to, you know, reach for their dreams. Sometimes I will speak with people who say, man, I want to become a lawyer or I want to go to law school. It seems so daunting to me. There's all these steps. I have to take the LSAT exam. And the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, right? Or sometimes people will come to me and say, I, I really want to go to law school, but I don't think I can get into your law school. Where there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. And I want people to be encouraged. Um, I feel like that's part of my job. Um, and I, and it maybe if people don't know what they want to do, I encourage people to just take action to do what I did, which is really put myself out there to be exposed to different opportunities and to get help. I went to my career planning office and I encourage people to reach out. If you don't know anybody, you can always reach out to me. My information is on our website, wsulaw.edu. Um, I encourage people to reach out to you, um, Tom and Maria, people like you or, um, their college counselors or everybody who graduates with a bachelor's degree um, will have access to a pre-law advisor for life from their undergraduate institution. There's help out there. Just, just go out there and, and reach for your dreams. Right. Such, uh, such great information. And uh, I'm sure we're going to be sharing this podcast with some of our students for them to, to look at. And uh, it's just great stuff. It is. And I know you gave the, the, the website. Uh, is that the best way to contact you if someone wants to kind of talk to you about the school? Yes, on wsulaw.edu. Uh, if people go there, just click contact us. It has my phone number, my email. Um, okay. Very good. You can contact us anytime. 
Great. Great. And you are a wealth of information. I Absolutely. have to tell you, there was, you were just, wow, excellent. And I'm really pleased that you were able yes. to come and be with us uh, for this, this session, because as Tom said, we get a lot of students yeah, who are uh, very high in legal. So thank you very much, Mike. I really appreciate that. And I want to thank everyone for being part of our uh, podcast okay. and i'm maria geffers and i'm tom geffers and we will see you again next week with a new authority leader then all right thank you bye-bye so long thank you bye